Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Right, welcome. Happy Sabbath. Happy Sabbath to you, Luis. It's wonderful. And it's a beautiful Sabbath day, isn't it? Yeah, yes. it's good. Today, we're cracking open our books to Lesson 5, Calling Sin by Its Right Name. What do y'all think of that title, Calling Sin by Its Right Name? I guess to start off. Well, what is sin? You know, so I think this starts to go down the path of lining what that is. It's good to define things, right? Because when things are defined clearly, it's easy to just kind of understand, right? It increases our understanding, I think. So that's really good. Um, let's see. Let's read the first paragraph. The author starts out, In our study, we have seen the word sin a number of times in the scriptures, and it is important that we understand exactly what it is. When asked what sin is, many peepee, peepee, people... <laughs> Many people pee pee. No, I'm sorry. No. Do we need to take a you break can edit that out. See if you need to. <laughs> now leave it in there. <clears throat> when asked what sin is, many people immediately think of 1 John 3 4, which in the older King James Version Bible says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. What do y'all think of that? I think it's a true statement. But I think there needs to be a little bit more definition than just that one verse. Absolutely. Someone define transgression. Going against. Okay. Either for selfish means or for Lack just being honoring. Could transgression be uh, a violating a boundary or crossing a set limit or something like that? Yeah, that's how I'm picturing it. Yeah. Well, law is a set limit. Yeah. Well said, Joe. Yeah, and so the next paragraph, sin is transgression of the law, but we also have to ask the question, what law? Right? What law? Well, I mean, the, the, you're not going to murder some, you're not, you're not going to break the thou shalt not kill law the same yeah. as you will with not, thou shalt not steal. I like in the middle of that paragraph, he says, you know, for a lot of people, when you use the word law, most of us think of the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. Like that's that immediately that's kind of where we go to. We think of the Ten Commandments. Um, but we'll get into some of these really cool breakdowns that there are many laws. Law, let's see, what does he say here? In looking at the following passages, we can see that law can be placed into any one of at least five classifications what do you guys think of that law and five classifications so somebody if you're willing please read for us the first classification health law and the verse that follows health laws laws given to ensure physical health exodus 15 26 if you diligently heed the voice of the lord your god and do what is right in his sight Give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. How far do you want me to go? Well, as far as you feel like it. Okay. Remember, we learned in a previous lesson that to many of the writers of Scripture, what God does not prevent, he causes. God did not afflict the Egyptians with disease. They were diseased because of poor health practices. To avoid that, God gave the Israelites many of the clean and unclean regulations where were met for the prevention of diseases. Mm. 
Isn't it neat? Check out Exodus 15, the very last line. For I am the Lord who heals you. What does that say about God? Isn't that neat? He didn't say I am the Lord that corrects you. Yeah. I, I circled that because I just think that's... And what does it require? If you're in a relationship with someone who has the ability to heal you, what does that require on your part? Trust. Trust. Being yeah. open enough to, to reveal what it is that's broken. Yes. Vulnerability and trust, right? Yes. What was it uh, at our corporate gathering last week when we were at Provino? I, I preached a sermon on the idea of like intimacy into me, see, mm-hmm. that whole concept. And that's, you know, when you have that, that healing relationship with your doctor, you go there because you're asking him to look into you, scan my body, see what's going on. So, well said. Uh, how about number two? Someone is willing to read us under the, the second category of law. Civil law. Laws govern laws given to go, govern civil society and act as a deterrent to crime. Deuteronomy 21.21 Then all the men of this city shall stone him to death with stones, so you shall put away the evil from among you, and all Israel shall hear and fear. Mm. It's quite heavy. The civil laws in the Old Testament applied only to the people of Israel and ceased to be enforced when the enforced when the ancient nation of Israel ceased to be an independent nation. Laws like stoning people to death became obsolete long ago. Why don't you unpack that a little bit? What do you think? Well, the when people were stoned to death. Um, blasphemy, heresy, that was heavy laws back in those days. Mm-hmm. That was akin to also people being stoned to death would be people who were caught in adultery. Um, you know, so, you know, the, those were the stoning crimes, I think. Imagine if we did that today as a church. If we said as a church, um, I'm going to pick on Angel, we, you know. Here's our brother Angel, and he's he's really really struggling, and he's he's having a hard time. So after church today, I've got a, and this is true, I've got a pile of bricks behind the house. Mm-hmm. So after church today, we're all gonna pick up bricks, and we're gonna we're gonna have a ceremony, and we're gonna stone Angel. Red or earth bricks? They're red bricks, man. Like how would that affect the rest of us, the rest of the community, in a situation like that? Because that's what happened in those days. Like this wasn't just a stranger; this was your neighbor. Right. This was a person of the Israelite nation, and so after church today, we're gonna we're gonna stone angel. Oh, we're desensitized, right? But our society today, it's it very hard to imagine a society like that. I mean, where we live here, there are places in this earth that still that would be normal, and uh, life is cheap in those societies. Whereas we we value life at least. You know, and in some one way or another, more than that. But it's still, it's, yeah. Disclaimer, Angel is just fine, and that's not really going to happen. <laughs> that is true. I might do a pillow at Angel. <laughs> no, I mean, it also highlights the morality back in the days. Well said. Thank you for bringing that point in. I mean, there was high morals, and the morality was like, was unknown mm-hmm. because people, you know, 
I don't know. I guess people got were punished. There was more the, the, the punishment was more prevalent. Where nowadays people can kill somebody and be out in the street the next day, and you know because there's no morality and 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 because people are just you know desensitized to all that stuff because they constantly see it every day. So. It's like high morals, high consequences, and um, it's almost like they're using this, these tough morals, these tough decisions. Standards. Because they're, yeah, standards, because they're almost, it, it's almost a superstitious thing to them. Look, I, I don't want that on me, so we got to take care of that. You know what I mean? We gotta put that away. Yes. So I don't want any of that to do with me. It's parasitical. It's yeah. Like, oh, that's a virus. We're gonna exterminate right. that. Right. Well said. So you wonder after they stone somebody, you're gonna go, you yeah, know, it really wasn't that bad. I don't know why we killed our kids for that. Yeah. I, I I honestly think it's an it's a it's an open and shut door situation in their mindsets. That there are people that may have loved that individual, might miss them here and there, but other than that, it's I don't I think people slept and ate and didn't have a problem after that. I think they just went on with their day. You don't think they ever thought about that person and missed them once in a while? Those that loved them, maybe. From my understanding, and then we'll uh, we'll move on through to the ceremonial aspect. I'll get to you. Um, you know, if you look at the the ancient Israel they came out of 400 and plus years of slavery. And so if you take, you know, there's a, there's an interesting study in Cleveland, Ohio, they actually discovered two women who were chained in a basement for 10 years. And they were able to rescue them from this situation. And everyone was saying, now they're free, now they're free, now they're free, cool, they can get back into society, they can move on with their lives. But that's not what happened. In, in just 10 years, being chained in that environment as slaves, they lost all ability to function in society. Like they literally were animalistic in their thinking and in their brain. Literally were animalistic. They couldn't hardly talk. They had no social skills. They, they couldn't do anything. And it took years of very, very intense, specific therapies, therapeutic interventions to slowly begin integrating them to society, if they ever could. Now that's only after 10 years. Imagine the United States is 240 couple years old right now, roughly nine, 10 generations. Let's double that, the Israelite nation in Egypt. Mm -hmm. 20 generations or more, because we can assume they live longer, over 400 years. And you read Exodus, and you read the, what the people did in the Old Testament, and then you say to yourself, okay, so if God, if the only people that God had to work with were animalistic-minded slaves, life is nothing, to your point. Life is cheap. So what does God have to do when it comes to like some of these moral laws or civil laws to begin this process of taking millions of people and slowly shifting them to be able to receive Jesus one day? So... For a person who says, you stole my cow, I'm going to kill you. How does God deal with that? God says, okay, we're going to stone your entire family, and we're going to burn all your stuff and all your pets. We're going to go, I'm going to go way beyond what you would even do 
as a way to wake you up and kind of shock the system a little bit to get you to pay attention. And that's what you see happening way back in those days with some of those civil laws of people stoning, stoning of Aiken, all of his family, like the whole thing, right? But then you see that stopping as you, as you read through the Old Testament history. You see that falling off and slowing down because therapeutically their minds are healing. They're, 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 they're reintegrating, right? You can kind of see that process. So Seth, you had a comment and then we'll keep going down through that. I was going to say it's pretty similar to like community flogging. We don't do that anymore, but we used to in like early America and like 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 the British times and stuff back in fourteenth yeah. to nineteenth century kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, it had the same effects though. Obviously we weren't killing people with stones, but you know, you'd be throwing tomatoes at people's heads as they were stuck there and it would humiliate them to the point where they would make the same mistake again. Unless they were psychopaths, that's a different story. Right. Thank you. But, um, the next one was cer ceremonial law, um, laws governing the services and ceremonies at the sanctuary. Numbers 9, 2 through 3 says, Let the children of Israel keep the Passover at its appointed time. On the 14th day of this month, at twilight, you shall keep it at its appointed time. According to all its rites and ceremonies, you shall keep it. The ceremonial laws expired with Christ's death, the destruction of the temple, and the dispersion of the Jewish people back in the first century. Any thoughts on that? If not, someone's welcome to yeah. just jump right in the morning. The synagogue that Harry was going to, they they kind of implied that they would still be killing animals if the temple temple was still standing, mm. and that sort of okay. Mm. Interesting. Interesting idea. Right. I mean, I, I see in places in the New Testament that talk about, it kind of implies that they still kept the holy days. So. Yeah. Seth, you want to take moral law? Sure. Moral, right. Law. Laws that can deal with individual behavior. Psalms 119, 172. My tongue shall speak of your word, for all of your commandments are righteous. Righteousness. Mm. Moral means right, doing the right thing. The moral law is an internal, never-changing law. Mm. Who determines the moral law? I was going to ask the same question, right, Joe? Because, because in... If you go to the grocery store, it is immoral to punch somebody in the face. But only in the grocery store. You go to the boxing ring, it is moral to punch somebody in the face. You play baseball, it is immoral to hit somebody. You play hockey, it is okay to hit somebody. That's a great question, Joe. Moral and doing what's normal is a little, a little different, I think. Could normal be in, immoral? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Like the stripper goes to the dance club and, and strips. That's normal for her. For him. Yeah, you know, 
But it's one of those things where it's like, but is that, it's not a moral thing. But unfortunately, as we've talked about here, talking about different rules, different periods of time, unfortunately, we also have leaders now who say that when people do something wrong, it's okay. And we had that today. We did. And so it's, unfortunately, things are being legitimized today against what standard? You know, that's, that's a $24,000 question, but there's a standard that, I don't know, that I think is moral or, but now it's no longer the standard. The standard has been lowered. Is it okay for 24 people to go into a store and loot it? I don't think so. But there are leaders, political leaders, elected leaders, who are legitimizing it now. So then what does that society learn from that political leader? So moral code is... We could probably talk about that for about six years, right? Yeah. So moral code is one that's... Then we start looking at a moral code of said denomination of Christianity or said denomination of uh, any Judeo-Christian, or you look at levels of different whatever religion people claim to have, spirituality, what have you. What's okay for me to do this? Let's look at the laws of the, the, the idolic laws which are in place. Is it wrong to do this on a Sabbath? Is it wrong to do this on a Sunday? Is it wrong to do this on a Monday? There are some people who say certain things yes and certain things no, but then it changes. I mean, it all goes back to the only law that was ever spoken by God was the Ten Commandments. And when you look at those Ten Commandments, if they, the, there's a lot of moral code written into those ten. You know, and, and it's just, if you look at every society that has functioned and still exists today, all those things listed in there are kind of wrong to do. There's laws against that. You know, there's, you know, when you go to divorce law and there's infidelity, the person that was, that was charged with the infidelity usually doesn't do well in divorce. The law is stacked up against them. Whereas you go and you steal, well, you get in trouble. You kill, you get in trouble. Things happen. But then you also hurt the people that love those other people or the people that you know, that, that person's prized guitar gets stolen out of his bedroom. You know what I mean? It's like, he can't replace it. He doesn't have any money. You know, it's that kind of thing that, you know, these moral codes, they're all around us. It's just, what would you not want to do to hurt your fellow brother? Let me uh, let me speak to something, if I can, Mark, what you just said. The only law that God has spoken to us is one of the Ten Commandments. Um, let me, if I can, let's put our scuba, scuba gear on and dive a little bit. The, the first law that God spoke into existence was not the Ten Commandments. It was the law of love at creation. And here's how I say that. When God created the earth, he created plants to like bear fruit, bear seeds, bear fruit, bear seeds, this cycle. And then when he created the animals, be fruitful and multiply. And then he created humans. Be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth, cultivate the earth. So what he did is he created and spoke into existence the law of love, which is the principle of other-centeredness, of giving. And you see that in Genesis, you know, chapter 1. 
And so he didn't specifically say, here's the law, but he's describing the function of the law in Genesis 1. And so he, he gave everything that he created this ability to operate in harmony with the law of love as he's describing this process should work. Be fruitful and multiply. Create. Be fruitful and multiply. Create. Cultivate. Grow. Fill the earth and subdue it. Right? This constant circle. Fast forward a couple thousand years so you get to Exodus. And now he's dealing with the slaves who have lost all knowledge of this idea of the law of this. So he says, okay, we need to break this down in a much smaller format. And so he creates the Ten Commandments. And personally, I don't view the Ten Commandments as law. I view the Ten Commandments as a diagnostics tool. Much like the MRI is not law, the MRI is a diagnostics tool to reveal what's going on inside you. And so he's working with the Israelites, and he's saying, okay, this is revealing what's inside you. If you take your behavior, if you take your heart motives, and you compare it against this diagnostics tool of the Ten Commandments, this will reveal where you're at. This will reveal, are you operating in harmony with love, or are you operating in harmony with selfishness? So I think, you know, I think it's, I just wanted to kind of add that to what you said about that idea of God speaking. You know, the first law that God spoke about, in my, in my view, my opinion, there's a lot of love at creation. Oh, I didn't I didn't mean that God didn't sure. speak before the Ten Commandments. Sure. But the only time he actually took the moment to speak to a multitude of people right. ever recorded was probably more of a culmination of the natural laws he set in place. Sure, sure. At creation and such like that. And if you read the Ten Commandments, you might want to look at it like this, is like, you know, Especially when it gets to the, you know, five through ten, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. basically, don't cheat on your wife so your wife doesn't cheat on you. Don't steal from someone so someone doesn't come and steal from you. Don't kill someone so you don't end an early, early lifespan. You know, in an early, you know, grave. You know, respect your mom and dad so they don't hurt you or kill you or prematurely end you. You know what I mean? It's just, there's a lot of things in there that when you look at the Ten Commandments, there's so many different ways of looking at those laws. And really, if, if you go and you live a life that breaks these laws, usually you don't live a very good life. Mm -hmm. Usually you have a life full of unhappiness, mm -hmm. trouble, legal issues at best. If not, physical pain and, and suffering. You know, there's no one likes any of these things to be done against them. Mm -hmm. So therefore, it, I don't know, it just seems the way of, that the Lord made is that what comes around goes around. Law of sowing and reaping. It's true. Angel, no comment. But I think the, the laws already existed even before man came to be. We're just figuring them out. Yeah. I think uh, God spoke to Israel the laws, but they already existed even in other heaven because if that wasn't the case then if that wasn't the case then Lucifer wouldn't have sinned against God because he coveted his power and sin existed before man did yeah exactly so that's why that's how Lucifer sinned against God you kind of you kind of uh, 
touched on something I was going to bring up, but I don't know if it's out of the realm of what we're talking about or not, but the constant conflict. Did Lucifer break the law of God in order for God to throw Lucifer out of heaven? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So tie that back into, you know, when we were talking yeah, about moral. moral laws. Yeah. So, so, so therefore, there was some form of morality because of lying, cheating, stealing, power hungry, so forth and so on, that Lucifer and his angels or demons, however you want to put it, we're starting to do before the cosmic during the cosmic conflict, right? That's why else would God throw them to earth? So it's really interesting. A couple things come to mind, and then we'll keep pushing forward on our lesson here. But in response to some of those things, like I know in the New Testament, I believe Paul, I don't know exactly where off the top of my head, but he has written the law was added because of sin. And which, which means, referring to the Ten Commandments, didn't exist prior to sin. Mm-mm. And if you think about, for instance, there's, there's other evidence to support this. Was the Fourth Commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, six days you shall work, but the Sabbath, the Lord your God, did that exist in heaven? No, because it only applies to earth. Six days and the Sabbath. So if you think about, and then Ella White has some really interesting writings too, where she says the angels, at some point, the, the knowledge that there was a law came to the angels as like a surprise, like, wait, what? There's a law? You know, with this idea. So, so it's really interesting to kind of, to think about that, but not to get too far off topic. Um, let's keep pushing forward here a little bit on our, on our lesson. Um, number five, can someone read that one for us? And then... That'll kind of open our conversation up a little bit more, I think, when we start tap- touching into design law. Five is... Page 54. Law as a principle or a force. Romans 7.23. I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. This is speaking about the force or the power of good or evil within the human heart that compels a person to behave in a certain way. Mm. We should always consider the setting in which the word law is used properly, is used to properly understand which class of law is being referred to. Otherwise, we might throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak, as some have done with the Ten Commandments, thinking they were discarded along with other laws given to the ancient nation of Israel. There's a, this next paragraph is really interesting. There's a few things here that I thought when I was kind of reading ahead. Um, when they use that word, the transgression of the law, he kind of breaks that out. The Greek word anomia, which means without law. Modern versions of the Bible translate this word lawlessness or lawless. And then he has there, it's a mere, it's more than just breaking a law. It's an attitude that is rooted in selfishness. One that is determined to have its own way no matter what. Like an attitude of rebelliousness. You don't have a moral code to live by. I'm going to steal, I'm going to break, I'm going to hurt, I'm going to harm, I'm going to do damage to. And even more so, just, you know, I think James, I read a little bit this morning in the book of James, it talks about, you know, to him who knows what is right, but chooses to go against it anyway, to him it is sin, because he's, it, 
it's revealing a rebellious attitude, just an attitude of rebelliousness. It's an attitude I've fought against my entire life. Me too, bro. Right? It's human nature, actually. But yeah. Do we still? Yes. Anarchy. Anarchy. The, the, the author actually points this out in the lesson. Anarchy is a serious problem in a world of self-centered people who always insist on having their own way. Yeah. Sarah, do you have any thoughts? I just kind of see like this idea of, you know, when the Ten Commandments were put together, right, versus like, it's not like there was no moral code before the Ten Commandments, right? Like, I see it as, you know, when, when Bo was little, you know, we taught him to brush his teeth, right? Like, we demonstrated that for him, right? Like, we brushed our teeth, like, we had him do it while we were brushing our teeth. Um, but, like, you know, as a parent, you soon learn, like, that's not enough, right? Like, because he's a child and he was, you know, has a sinful nature, right? Um, in those moments, so then you have to start putting together more specific guidelines, right? Like, okay, this, you're going to brush your teeth and this is when you're gonna do it and this is how you're gonna do it and if you don't do it, this is the consequence. So, like, it's not like there was no expectation or law, right, that we brush our teeth before we made those rules for him, it was there, but then we went through and actually set out actual written, you know, like more specific um, details about how that would be, how that would work in our family. So like, I, you know, it's not like, oh, you know, a year in to, you know, he turns a year old and we're like, oh, all of a sudden, like, we've got to brush our teeth, right? No, like, that started well before he even had teeth, right? Like, you get that in their mind. But it doesn't mean that the law was not there or there was no moral right or wrong. It just, at that moment, it wasn't necessarily written out. So... So it doesn't necessarily change what it is, right? Like it's 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 all, it's you know the, the moral end of things to me is like whether you choose to be selfish or not selfish. That's it. So that's always the case, right? Like it, and it doesn't matter what you know person or or thought you follow. Like if you're being selfish, that's immoral. If you're not being, if you're doing things for others and doing it in a loving unselfish way, then you have a good moral compass. Check out page 55, and I think that this is really going to answer some of our questions, referring to what you just said, Sarah, and then and then our previous conversation around this here today. Uh, I'm going to read this paragraph, and then we're going to unpack some stuff. In essence, Moses was giving the people of Israel a hard time because they were being rebellious, they were being selfish. Deuteronomy 12, he said, man, look at you guys, you're doing whatever you want in your own sight. This is not good. Then later, Moses is recorded congratulating them because, hey, good job. You guys are doing what God commanded you in Deuteronomy 13, right? But then the following paragraph, he 
you know, the author asks, like, so why should we do keep God's law? Why should we keep his commandments? Is it simply just because God's sovereign and he commanded us to and we better obey or what? The bottom point of the middle paragraph is there is there no better reason to keep God's law? We will begin to answer this by looking at three verses that tell us why God gave the law in the first place. So the author makes the point, right, that the law in terms of Ten Commandments didn't always exist prior to sin. Here's the first verse, Romans 3.20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge, knowledge of sin. By the MRI is the knowledge of cancer or the herniated disc, or whatever's wrong with you. So let's just kind of keep that in our heads. According to the verse, by the law, we know what sin is. Galatians 3.19, I referred to this earlier. What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. That's referring to Jesus. What triggers in your mind when you hear this idea that Romans 3.20, that's Paul writing... Same in Galatians. By the law is the knowledge of sin. Okay, that is, the Bible itself is saying that the Ten Commandments is something a little bit different than what most of Christianity, I think, believes it to be. And then 1 Timothy 1, 8-9, they're on page 56. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. In other words, if one uses it in the right way. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinate. The MRI is not there for the healthy person. It's there for the sick. Those in need of diagnosis, right? Angel, I can see your wheels turning, man. In the first sentence there in the following paragraph, this verse tells us that the law is not for the person who does what is right. He doesn't need it. But the person who is not doing what is right, either willingly or in ignorance, does need it. Seth, it's right there. Unpack it. I was just going to say... Everybody needs it at one point or another. Yeah. Because we are imperfect. Yeah. Thanks. Sorry. I was going to no. say that the, the no, law... Same thanks. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Not you, Joe. Oh. You're welcome. I was going to say, I think, I think laws is when we start getting into our own heads, we start controlling our own selves, our selfish means start kicking in. The law teaches us that there's a parameter that was set somewhere or another to not break that law. You know, I think, are we born knowing the law? So that, I sort of have a little bit of disagreement with that sentence because I don't think we're born knowing the law, but I do. we do learn the laws. The only people that were created with it was probably... Adam and Eve. They weren't born knowing the law. It was <coughs> mostly building software. 
There are only two people in history who chose sin nature. Who are they? Three. Three people in history who chose sin nature. Who is it? Satan? Adam and Eve. Well, Satan and all his angels. They chose too. Everyone else. Satan's not a person. Well, everyone else. Well, okay, so if you say human history. Right. Human history, Adam and Eve. Okay. Everyone else was born in sin, conceived in iniquity. Everyone else was born predetermined to have a sin selfish nature, not knowing the law. Okay, and, and when I say that, I say the law of God meaning design law, the law of love, not the Ten Commandments. Okay, the law of other centeredness. The most selfish thing on earth is a baby, period. Fight oh, me on yeah. it. Fight me on it. They're, they're, they're just a cute parasite. <laughs> <laughs> well, technically, not, narcissist too. That's okay. Chronic. Not to go too deep on that, but, but point being. That's why they look like the parents that they live. Straight up. Sarah, really interesting. Deuteronomy 6, 24 through 25 actually supports what you said when you were talking about Bo with brushing his teeth and stuff. Check it out. Which one? Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 24 through 25. And the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. That's kind of like what you were describing with Bo. You know, this is for your good. You know, and if you're too immature to see it for yourself, then I might arbitrarily impose some consequences until you're mature enough to understand why this is good for you. At that point, you're free to choose life or death. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with authority, <clears throat> being authoritative. Lola. If I could go back just a moment. Of course you can. Okay. So when... So... I guess something bothers me about this verse, and it says, but we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and its subordinate. And I want to I add to that because I feel like if we use the commandments as a measure and we're doing what's right, we're healthy. But when you're in that position where you're doing what's right and you have now looked down on your brother or your sister you are now not righteous so it is something that we constantly need to measure ourselves by because we are not helping our brother or sister if we are judging them Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just had to just it just mm -hmm. bothered me so I had to like go back and <laughs> you're talking about being condescending well, yes, but I mean, if, if you're judgy, if you're if you're sitting there like, well, I heard this or whatever, or, or they're doing that, or you know what I'm saying? It, it, it's not like you're not helping scene. your brother or your sister, and you are now breaking the law yourself. Like the Pharisee that that's like, thank God that I'm not like them, or something. I mean, I I guess I'm trying to say you still as a righteous person need to measure against that because if you are truly righteous your love should be pouring out to your brothers and sisters not your judgment not your i think what is it well, first you wouldn't be righteous at that point exactly like yeah. well i mean you couldn't even classify yourself uh -huh. originally right because like like is it wrong if if Bo follows my example right and brushes his teeth Every day, twice a day, right for two minutes, and 
he just does it, right? Because he sees it happen. Mm-hmm. He's he's following my example. Like, is it does it make him wrong for me not to have to make the rule, right? Not have to make the laws. Okay, like you have to do this, right? Mm-hmm. He's simply following my example, but it doesn't make him a unrighteous person, right? To for me not to have to make that law and for him not to have those rules to follow. He's just doing it because. For whatever reason, right? Like so that, it, but but once he says, "Oh, like I don't have those rules. You do. Right? You're a right. crappy person because right. your parents had to make the rules right. to brush your teeth. Right. Then he's no longer, yep, not he's no longer outside of following the rules anymore. No. Right? Right. Like right? He's broken that. Seth, and then we'll pull, we'll tie it back in. I was to make a comment about parenting styles and how God isn't an authoritarian kind of parent you know he's an authoritative parent he gives you free will still to make your decisions but he's laid down a foundation of uh, you know laws that uh, you know don't always directly apply to each of us at the same time but we should still keep in mind so go ahead, bottom page 56, read that second paragraph from the bottom. Go ahead, read the whole paragraph. It's going to blow your mind what you just said. Uh, starting with God is arbitrary. No. God is not arbitrary. Yeah, okay. God is not arbitrary. He does not have a my way or the highway attitude. God wants only our good and his moral laws are given to help us. The universe was founded on physical and spiritual laws. The law of reaping and sowing, or cause and effect, Bad actions normally result in bad consequences. Right actions normally result in good consequences. It is important for Let's just pause right there. Okay. Yeah, thank you for that. Design law. The blessings and cursing are inherent in the law. It's inherent. Right? In fact, the law is alive. We should... should Yeah! The law is alive! We should note, though, I mean, we're all... Just to be... You know, realistic. There are people who make, you know, selfish and terrible yeah. decisions who still end up okay. Yeah. And same thing for the people who make good actions and they're suffering more than most, kind of thing. But, but yes, I think that this this happens most of the time, for sure. To your point, Lola, the laws of life. I and it's hundred percent because if you think about. The law of love, which is the principle that life is based on, life exists in harmony with love. Like the, and you can see that all in nature. You can see that everywhere. The moment, you know, the moment you start being really selfish in your primary relationship, that relationship starts dying. Right. Like, but the moment you begin to change and grow to be really living for the benefit of others, I heard a quote: "Relationships should not be based on happiness; they should be based on growth." And growth is love. Growth is giving. Growth is for the benefit of the other person's development, right? Super good. That's why God said, why do you kick amongst the goats yep. during the... That's good. During the... When um, Saul was on the road to Damascus. Mm. Tie that in. How, how are you seeing that connection with the lesson here? Because nat- nature was made to be... Made with love, 
just like what you were saying, and it, um, <coughs> God made the world one way, and Saul was writing it. Mm -hmm. And then, and not not to mention all the killing and stuff. That's not the law of love for sure. Right. Well, let's wrap up our conversation here, and we'll, we'll work through the last paragraph. Actually, you know, bottom of page 56 and the first paragraph there on 57. And then I drew a line across my page there at Galatians 6, 7, and 8. And next week, we'll pick it up right there. But he kind of goes into, it's important to realize that God's laws are expressions of natural principles rather than arbitrary rules meant to control us. And I think it's really important to consider, as we have been using our, my wonderful son, Bo, as a great example to understand this, that there are natural consequences to not brushing your teeth. But while Bo is growing, we may impose arbitrary consequences to help him learn. But then once he's mature enough to understand that, there is no need for those arbitrary things anymore. And I think that that's a lot what is happening with God there. <clears throat> Continuing on, and because God's laws are expressions of natural principles, the principles themselves inherently have their own consequences or compliance or violation. There is no need for external imposed punishment under God's system. That's a tough concept for a lot of people to wrestle with. It's so, and then he finishes it up. So, if God does not get angry and punish us in some way if we disobey his law then what can we expect if we ignore or refuse to follow his laws? Cliffhanger for next week. We're going to answer that question. Say a quick comment on using your son again as the example. So if he chooses not to brush his teeth, um, you know, there's a word called chastening. So you can not chastise, you chasten him, which is discipline him. And this is why we want to brush our teeth. Not punish him by saying, if you don't brush your teeth, you're, you can't do this. So God also teaches us discipline. He chastens us to make the right decisions also, instead of the uh, root, punishing. The root word of discipline is disciple or to teach. The root word of punish is punitive. I'm making myself feel better by punishing you. Oh, puny. So I think. Well I think. Last comment, Sarah. The, the idea of arbitrary, you know, rules, right? is simply obviously to protect so for example like if i put a, an arbitrary rule on him for why you know what a consequence for if he doesn't brush his teeth right it's actually to protect him from the actual consequence right which is rotten teeth and losing them right which is the inherent right, right. exactly yeah. right so my goal in that moment is to say okay this is going to be your consequence from me right the arbitrary one so that you don't actually have to pay for real consequence, right, of your teeth rotting out. So you're disciplining him instead of punishing him. You're showing this is why. So that's Whereas a, you're punishing him, you, though you can't ride your bike too. But, but it's if you don't brush concept, your teeth. Right? Like the law is there to show us that, okay, so if you, you know, kill somebody, right, like this is what will happen, right? You should not do this. Yeah. To save us from the bigger consequence of not having eternal life right that's really the big consequence isn't that isn't that great like so, so that's god 
And that speaks so good of God, doesn't it? It does. Amen. Thank you for that, Sarah. Yeah. Let's wrap it up. Let's pray. God, man, just thank you so much for that, that you're that kind of person. That like, man, as we read some of these old stories and connect these concepts, like you're trying to teach the nation of Israel and all of us in reality, you're, you're trying to protect us from some natural consequence, which as Sarah put it, like, man, loss of life, loss of health, loss of eternal life. And so in an effort to, to kind of guide us, there are times in history, God, where you know, you have, as a loving parent, arbitrarily disciplined in an effort to teach, in an effort to, 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 to turn, because there's a much bigger thing happening that we weren't able to comprehend it. And God, I just also want to say that, you know, help us to wrestle with some of our beliefs. And, and, and we all know people who, who don't view it like that. We all know people who view you as, as punishing, as, as arbitrary and severe. Like, man, you broke the law, now I'm mad at you. And so, well, pay up. But not as like this loving parent where you're trying to save. And so I just ask God that you just really pour your spirit into our hearts and just help us to truly understand these things. And then, and then when we're talking with somebody who has this view of you that just looks really angry, you give us the words to ask some questions and to try to speak the truth about your character and the truth about who you actually are in those situations to to share you in a way that makes you really look good that will challenge the, the beliefs that we have that are wrong about you and so i just thank you for this wonderful conversation these people here bless the food we're going to eat here soon in your precious name amen amen so quick question